Behind the U, Hoops Edition, we got associate head coach Chris Caputo with us. He's bald, I'm bald. We both like to talk. We're going to talk some ball. Chris, thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me on, Josh. Of course, my pleasure. Uh, so I'm just, we'll just get out of the gate with this one. I'm just going to hit you with a big whopper. You've been with Coach L a long time. Why is he so good? Yeah, you, get, you know, you get asked that question often. Um, and I think, you know, probably there's some level of like normal people don't necessarily understand how good uh people outside the business you know and you think about a guy who's gonna win 700 games here pretty soon at bowling green uh george mason and miami you know while all you know great institutions not necessarily places that that people uh think about basketball uh, right away with, you know, so he's really made the basketball programs in, in some ways at each of those places, uh, in the times that he's been there. And, and so it speaks to, speaks to his greatness. Um, and you know, he's, he's just, he, he's so, uh, complete as a coach, you know, he can recruit, uh, he can coach, he can develop, he can connect, uh, not only with players, but, uh, with, with, with fans, with supporters, donors, administrators, uh, board members. Um, he's just uh, very unique in the sense that he is so, so well-rounded uh, as a coach uh, running a college basketball program, really anywhere. Uh, he's got a great formula of how to do it, regardless of the challenges at the places he may be at. So if you're in this business, you know, I've I'm sure this is what you want. You've interviewed for jobs. You, I've heard you talk, you know, that's the ultimate. So if you could take th a couple of things with you, Chris Caputo becomes the head coach at whatever institution deems him to be their guy. What were, what would you want to take with you from him? Well, obviously there's a lot of things, Josh. I, I think, you know, coaches got such a unique ability to get the guys to play for him and for each other. Um, and I think the, the way he approaches uh, those guys every day, th there's never any thought that any of the things that are happening are for his benefit. I think the player feels like it's always for his own benefit, the player's benefit, the program's benefit. He's got a unique ability to do that. And I think I've tried to learn, you know, some of those tricks of how to get guys to do those things, because I think ultimately that's, what coaching is, right, is to, is to get the players to play for you, for the university, for each other. And it, particularly in today's day and age, I don't think that's always the case, um, you know, in sport. So, uh, you know, that's certainly one of the things, you know, you know, without giving out all the secrets, right? But uh, uh, that's one of the things that's so unique about him that I would, I would take. I, I think, you know, um, maybe structurally some of the way we do things, uh, which may be a little bit different in terms of how we organize responsibilities. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, merit to, to that in terms of preparation. Uh, so a couple of those things, I think for sure. But the thing I, I've learned the most is, you know, when the guys really feel like you're pure of heart and that your intentions are, you know, Hey, what's, what's in their best interest. I think they'll, they'll, you know, they'll run for a wall for, uh, through a wall for you. And uh, it's not the rah-rah speeches, you know, that people see uh, a lot of times that, that, that get guys to do that. But it's when players really know that you have their best interest at heart. It's, it's funny you say this and, and uh, maybe this hits the hits the uh, cutting room floor. Uh, but, you know, your, your industry, the coaching industry isn't always known for all of the purity. Right. Like uh, whatever the <laughs> sport. Right. The purity isn't always the words that is always used. And we're not right. going to go all the way down that road. But does it make someone like Coach L even rise further to the top yeah i mean i think i think there's you know the, the genuine nature at which he goes about doing the job every day is uh is evident you know within the office and uh, within the program and then within the locker room i think those again that those guys know you know he's about them uh and trying to help them succeed you know on and off the court and and people say that i mean that's an easy thing to say when you're in a recruiting situation or we constantly talk about you know that we I got to separate recruiting from reality with people in the recruiting process and and have demonstrable 
uh, things to show people to say, no, what we're saying right now is not recruiting. This is reality. This is the truth. And if you look back or you call a parent of a player that, that played in this program, or you look at a statistic about a guy, you know, like, like uh, Shane Larkin, who might've been the 99th best player uh, in, in the high school top 100. And he turns out to be the 18th pick in the draft. Uh, we try to use data and, and to, to, to make our case. And I think, you know, coaches uh, ability to connect with players and stay in touch with players and, and the feeling that those guys have him. And if you, if you look at Twitter, like on his birthday, the amount of players that are tweeting, you know, about him on his birthday um, and what they say, I mean, that you can't make that up. Nobody can, you know, you know, players, Josh, you, you can't call those guys and ask them to toss a tweet out there, uh, you know, uh, after they've left you, you know, that's got to be genuine. And so oh, I tried uh, the other night with McGusty. I just tried to do it in the moment. And turned <laughs> <me down. laughs> right. So th those guys, are, you know, so I, I would I would say, you know, being genuine is is part of uh, part of our shtick here. <laughs> it's, Even though it's not stick, it's not stick, right? It's the real deal. That's hey, right. um, a couple of different, a couple of different things. Um, and this is usually how this goes, right? Like I kind of know I have my notes and then the conversation right. starts and we start weaving. So you mentioned before about the structure of your organization, right? How you dole out responsibilities and obviously share what is shareable. Um, sure. But the thing I was going to ask you about was at least from what I know structurally, right? There's an, there's an offensive coordinator, like a defensive coordinator, yeah. a scouting coordinator. So can, and maybe right. that was part of what you were alluding to. Maybe it's other stuff, but can yeah. you, can you illuminate a little bit on the, on the structure that is yeah, not, sure. uh, that isn't in the secret Coca-Cola yeah, sauce? It's different. Yeah, it's different. Uh, you know, a lot of places in, in basketball, your, your three assistant coaches basically break up the scouts, right? You know, and you, you know, um, and for all my time, uh, with coach, you know, we haven't done it that way. We, we basically have somebody who his main focus is to do the, uh, I'll say like the advanced scout of the opponent. Now we have a lot of help in terms of video guys and people who can, you know, help do the, uh, uh, I, I, I guess the, the legwork of the, the actual, you know, editing of the video and, you know, capturing of video and, and getting things on laptops and creating, uh, you know, our, our title slides for our scout uh, videos and things like that. But the actual work of, of a, you know, evaluating and building uh, an advanced sort of scout of an opponent is done by one person. I did it for 10 years, uh, which is a lot. But I tell people in the, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 10, <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, so, I, used to, I used to watch you and be like, here, so I was going to say this. I was like, he we're prepping we're we're, te we're on a walkthrough for one game he's watching film of a, he's getting ahead and the two don't ever cross like how does he keep yeah. them separate in well his they brain? Cross, sometimes they cross paths <laughs> no, in, in your mind you get out there and you're like uh wrong hey they team. run this and you go oh sorry no wrong team. <laughs> right that's next game just um, start, hey just pack that away to the next walk right well the guys that have done it after me um and i, and I probably have done it the of all the years the person who did it the, the most amount of time um, you know, I tell them it's, it's the best possible thing for your career, uh, because it's really like the, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours. I mean, you, you sit there and, and watch, you know, five, six games of, of each opponent prior to when you're playing and then number of personnel clips. And, you know, you wind up having an incredible knowledge base, uh, probably similar to that of a, an NBA video coordinator who's doing that, you know, in the back rooms, uh, you know, of the NBA, um, you know, what coach Bolster did when he was a video coordinator, you, you, you wind up, uh, you know, just, just knowing, you know, kind of like what everybody does, <laughs> uh, and all the different ways that, that people do them and, 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 and you have a deep knowledge of it and it's great for you to, uh, to learn as you're coming up as a, as a young coach. And then, um, you know, with that, then we kind of have, like, I would say like almost a quality control, you know, it's not as if it's not football where, Hey, I'm, I'm running the defense and, and, and the other guys running the offense and the head coach is just sitting there listening on the, uh, I, I don't know exactly how it works in football, but you know, you hear about that stuff. Uh, uh, my, my friend, Mike Lombardi always talks about, uh, uh, quality. Uh, uh, he said there's in independent contractors in the NFL where the head coach doesn't, the guys don't work for the head coach. They're just coordinators and they do right. their own thing. It's not like that. You know, coach Laranega is 
he's the head coach of every aspect and, and, and of our offense and our defense. But, um, you know, Bill Courtney right now is, is the one that uh, is sort of doing the, the quality control and helping develop the offense. And, and, and again, I'd be lying if I said I didn't help him with the offense. We all work together on that, the veteran guys. And then, you know, I'm doing the defensive stuff, but obviously Bill is helping me and, and we're, we're all working together and DJ's doing the scouts right now. So he's providing the information on the opponents. And, but really we all come together, you know, obviously last night we played and, and uh, you know, you kind of get past that game. And, and when we meet today, you know, everybody's in the room talking, you know, both sides of the ball and, and the opponent. So when you're doing, if you're the defensive coordinator, so to speak, and, and yeah. Bill Courtney's the offensive coordinator, what, what are you guys looking for individually? And obviously where's the intersection of, you know, I'm helping you, you're helping me. And then well, we're they, all probably say, together, they probably L. say that they probably say that I uh, just say stuff about everything at this point, you know? Right. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris, be, come on, come on. That's my yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah, Stop. exactly. Right. Stop right, talking. Chris. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, uh, but no, I think it's, it's, you know, the discussions that go on, um, you know, Bill is really doing the quality control and just a little bit of the, the, the int intricate details of, you know, what we're doing offensively, what's working, what's not working, thinking about, thinking about the, uh, you know, the opponent, how they're going to play things and, you know, bringing those, you know, uh, discussion pieces into a, a meeting. Uh, and, and because we've all worked with each other so long, I mean, DJ is obviously new, but, but Bill coach and I have been together a long time, uh, two separate times throughout the years, you know, those, we're all speaking the same language as it relates to different things. And, and then, uh, you know, in my case, you know, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how, how can we be uh, a, a good defensive team? You know, how do we defend certain opponents and actions or what have you? So much of it with this team has been, you know, we knew we don't have great size and physicality, but uh, we've turned into the best uh, team in the league at turning people over, which I don't know that I would have guessed that to start the season, but uh you know, coach had an idea about, you know, maybe uh, doing some things there to, to force some turnovers. And then as we, uh, you know, to, to our guys credit, the, the scrappiness that they play with on a nightly basis. Now we've, we've been able to lead the league in that area. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's every team in college basketball is so different because especially with the transfer portal, you, you're not going to have the same guys, <laughs> you know, so it's not a style of play even for, you know, somebody like I'll, I'll say Virginia, who, who who's very, very dogmatic about how they play uh, both offense and defense. They're going to be different, you know, just in some ways every year now because of uh, the changes in, in in roster. All right. Hey, so uh, um, speaking of um, when he came to Miami, you know, the joke was, oh, he's 60 years old, whatever. He came to retire. And you actually you said it took guts because yeah, of, how, yeah. of what everything that was going on at George Mason. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it did. I think, I think it took guts to leave a situation that, you know, I, I, in some ways uh, felt very probably comfortable uh, and safe, you know, and um, he took a little bit of a leap of faith on Miami, on, on the University of Miami and the community and uh, President Shalala and, and the board and, and uh, you know, at the time, Sean Eichhorst was the one who hired us, but Blake James shortly thereafter and, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, the league was a great league and who knew that two years later or three years later, you're going to add Louisville, Pittsburgh, uh, Syracuse and uh, Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, not the, uh, no problem. No problem. No, no problem easy, there. Easy. Yep. Yep. But uh, you know, again, the rest is history work. It's worked out, you know, obviously great for, for us and, and coach and, and I think the universe. So when you, when you find out, when he tells you, Hey man, we got, we're going to the ACC, we're going to Miami. I have the craziest, it? I have the craziest story. I, um, that you week, hanging out with, cause you're always hanging out with people, you know, people like who were you with? Yeah, you had to be with somebody. Uh, no, this is crazy. My, uh, uh, two coach took the job like on a Friday, but really agreed. I think to take the job on a Thursday. Uh, I was interviewing at, with Rick Patino to go to Louisville. Cause remember I'm the George Mason assistant. I'm trying to get to the high major level and I'm, lucky enough that we were having success and I'm involved with some very high profile jobs. So um, Archie Miller had gotten the job at Dayton and offered me to go to Dayton with him. And I had decided to stay at George Mason. Um, Tuesday, 
interview in Charlotte with Coach Patino uh, about an opportunity to go to Louisville. Wednesday, believe it or not, in Gainesville, interviewing with Billy Donovan for an opportunity to go to Florida with Coach Donovan. Uh, and that was a two-day interview, so it was Wednesday, Thursday. What did he want to know? Two-day? What's Billy, what's Billy the kid want to know, Bill, dude? Bill, Come on, Bill, man. Billy, Billy was, uh, Billy's a great guy and super unique uh, interview guy and uh, very, terms of very what? thorough. In terms of what? Well, uh, yeah, I would just say he, 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 would, he called everyone I knew or knew me prior to me ever knowing I was involved in the job, and then when he called me, uh, you know, you kind of already knew you were like down to the one or two because he did all his work before he ever talked to you. Uh, I didn't know him very well. And then, uh, and then, you know, he goes in there and asks a bunch of great questions. Uh, another, I don't know, funny side story to this is we go to a restaurant. He probably don't remember this, but we went to a restaurant in, in Gainesville uh, Wednesday night when I get there and uh, we go to sit down and, and the hostess said, Hey coach, your friends are here. And said, oh, okay. Who's here. And as we go to sit down, who comes out of the back room and, and sits next to us in a booth, but Charlie Weiss and Urban Meyer, because <laughs> er, er, Coach Meyer had taken the year off uh, and, and was still living in Gainesville. I think he was just getting ready to take the uh, Ohio State job probably the following year. Right. And, uh, and, and Coach Weiss was at the time, if you remember, I think he was the offensive coordinator uh, for, for, for uh, Will Muschamp. Right that year, he was on staff. So, you know, my interview starts with a Hall of Fame coach that that I, you know, have a lot of respect for and look up to, and you know, obviously, you know, probably interested in the job, leaving George Mason to double my salary or what have you. <laughs> and, double your uh, salary, probably. Well, it, it costs probably, a living. You're probably tripling your salary. Yeah, triple my salary. Spending and, uh, power. And uh, and and I'm sitting, you know, in this in this booth with. Uh, with uh, Urban Meyer, Billy, and Charlie Weiss, and they, I'm, you know, like just kind of like a fly on the wall, listening to some of the stories, and uh, that was the beginning of, of that process. How long did you have to sit there, right? Because you're like, this is like your deal, right? It's like your time yeah, to shine. Was, and nah, now they, it's they, like they weren't there. They were there probably thirty minutes. It was pretty funny, right. you know, to be honest. But um, uh, in any case, uh, the next day, I'm I'm on campus at Gainesville, kind of meet with some people walking around, and uh, Billy uh, says, "Hey, I heard." Coach Larnega is going to take the Miami job. Is that true? I said, geez, I, I have no idea, you know, and uh, I'm driving back now from uh, Billy had said, Hey, give me a couple of days to think through this. And, you know, uh, I'm driving back from the, from Gainesville to Orlando airport. I'm going to fly to DC. My bachelor party is that weekend in New York. <laughs> Cause I'm getting married that month. And so uh, when I, uh, uh, when I get in the car, coach calls me and says, Hey, I've been offered the Miami job. You know, if, if I take the job, uh, this is your situation. This is, you, you know, which was great that I could go. So I knew I had a job. Uh, and uh, it was very funny. It was just a funny time for me. And then obviously coming, moving down here has been great. And, uh, but, but moving and getting married in the same month, I would not advise that to, to people if, if they could avoid. What um, did do you t this coach know about? interviewing if like that's all oh yeah 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 well, he was he's unbelievably supportive and uh, you know obviously at the time you know his goal is to try to help his assistants you know either get a head coaching job it's harder to do that out of out of a mid-major school so then the next thing would be go go to get a great high major assistance job and obviously you know at that time there's really no better assistance job at the high major level than to go work for uh, coach patino or, or or coach donovan as it turned out i wanted to get a better job for me which is to come here and work with coach. So did you have to make a decision or, or is it, did you t have to turn anybody down? Uh, no, I, no, I, I wouldn't say that. No, I, I, Billy asked that he give me a day or two and, and just the timing of it. You know, I had to take the job that, that I, uh, that, that I had. All right. So you guys get down here. What's the plan of attack? Like, all right, we're at Miami. Well, we I think gotta, it's we, a lot we, of we, learning. Yeah. It's a lot of learning. So, you know, I would give a great credit to the, to the staff. Uh, prior to to us uh, because you know we had a nice core of guys as you know Josh they, they had not necessarily had a ton of success they did go to the NIT didn't necessarily have a ton of success in the league I think they were six and ten at that uh, the year before but we did have a good group returning and I think it was a team that we looked at and said yeah this is a team that could potentially make the NCAA tournament if, if we do a good job um, but we really are missing a point guard god bless 
uh, my guys, Malcolm Grant and, and Durant Scott, but they were not like true point guards. They like to shoot balls. <laughs> not Malcolm passing. never, Malcolm, Malcolm doesn't like to shoot. No, they like to, you know, you know, or talk, I love the, you know, neither one. Of them. No, uh, he's, he's <laughs> you're talking about somebody who should be on the podcast. Malcolm, I know, you know, I had Durant on Durant uh, was great. Durant's great. No, those guys, I mean, we're still in touch and they're great guys. And, uh, but in any case, uh, you know, we were very fortunate that we had recruited Shane Larkin at George Mason. He chose DePaul. Uh, I think when he got to DePaul, for whatever reason, you know, just did not feel comfortable. Uh, and very quickly in the summer, we had turned some guys down uh, that wanted to come because they weren't quite the right fit with the one scholarship we did have. And we were able to get Shane Larkin uh, in the summer, uh, go to the NIT, and then, you know, basically everybody back. Uh, add Tanya, uh, but, but, but everybody back and, uh, you know, we win the league and you talked about a plan, you have a plan and your plan is like, Oh, that's not exactly the plan, but because we had good guys and good players in the program, we could make some mistakes and win. We can make some mistakes in recruiting and win. we could try to figure out, okay, exactly what's going to work here. Uh, but in the meantime, we were winning a lot of times when somebody takes over a program, they don't have a lot of time to figure that part out because if they're not winning, they're not going to get any positive momentum for us. The championship in 13 created a brand, a very visible, uh, brand of what people could see of what, like, what this could be like, you know, what are the, uh, the Watsco center at the time that the bank United center would look like in a great environment. Um, the style of play, uh, how much fun it looked like to be winning in the ACC in Miami. That was then our ability then to develop players. Shane Larkin, as we spoke about his development and Kenny Kaji's development and the, the idea that we could then sell that in recruiting, you know, that really became the catalyst for the first seven years of, of great success. And then obviously, and then now. So, Let's let's rewind that a little bit then. So it, as you are coming in here prior to year one, right? And, yeah. and, it's, and it was a, it was a staff that had all been there together, right? Eric Eric Conkle, Michael Huger, you. So it was all, the whole the whole group was together. Yes. Yeah. And, and the plan is all right. We're at my we're coming to Miami. We're coming to the ACC. There are serious powerhouses in this league. How do we close the gap? So obviously, you just mentioned what ultimately happened, but. What were some of the conversations like about what's our approach going to like, how are we going to approach this? Yeah. Yeah. it's a good question. Um, well, I, I think you, you first have to think about recruiting uh, always Josh. And I think a lot of times uh, I heard Jay Wright say this a long time ago, you know, no man is bigger than his institution. So you have to look at your institution and figure out, okay, what would work at Miami might not work at George Mason, right? What would work at George Mason not, might not work at Utah State. What might work at Utah State might not work at, at UCLA. Uh, every school is different. And so for us, it, in, in some way, it's really simple. You look at the student body. You've got the state of Florida. You've got the northern cities, the big cities. Right. I mean, that's yeah. as simple as that could be. Right. If you if you walk around campus and, and you're uh, we are a northern city in the south, uh, you know, one a great with better weather with better weather. Better, no, it's exactly. No, it's exactly right. Northern city in the south with incredible weather, uh, great culture, uh, great diversity and, and, and international flavor. Um, it's we're different than, you know, maybe a, a big land grant state institution in the middle of nowhere. Right. We've got a lot more to offer in that sense. And yet we're you, different. By the way, do you present it to recruits that way? Like you could go to that land grant institution in the middle of nowhere or you could come to Miami. Well, I th <laughs> I, yeah, I think no, that verbiage. Well, I think, does that verbiage ever come out of your mouth, Chris? No, I, I think you I think you I think you you have to accentuate your positives. But it's also you. from a targeting standpoint. You know, we understand Bruce Brown from Boston. Well, guess what? If I walked around campus right now, there's a number of kids that are from you know, New England, hundred percent that, that, that go to the university of Miami. Okay. Dave, I'm Reed from New Jersey. All right. If I walked around campus right now, there'd be a lot of kids from New Jersey that go to the university of Miami. Okay. How about Dewan Hernandez? Well, he's from Miami. Well, guess what? 
there's a lot of kids from from Miami that that that, that go to the University of Miami because they know, you know, how important the brand is. You know, uh, let's go to Anthony Lawrence from from St. Petersburg. Well, guess what? His dad went to the University of Miami. I've never met anybody that went to the University of Miami that does not love the University of Miami. So if somebody's parent went here, I don't care where they live, we're and they're good enough. We're recruiting that guy, and yet so much of it is elimination, right? You've got to figure out who you're not recruiting, who, yeah, we can get on that guy's list, but we're not going to ultimately probably be the choice. And it's an elimination process more than it is a process of going out and trying to, you know, scatter ourselves all over the world. It's much more targeted. I think the second thing we figured out, and some of it was just by virtue of having Kenny Kaji and Trey McKinney Jones on the roster and, and Malcolm on the roster is, Hey, hold on a second. These guys are older now. We want to get older because we know Duke and Carolina are going to be, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old, really talented guys. I mean, you look at Duke's team right now with five guys they're saying are going to get uh, picked in the first round. They're all 18 years old. Well, your best chance to beat really talented 18-year-olds, if you don't have five or six of them, is to have really good 22, 23-year-old guys. How do you get to that place? Well, you have to you have to bring them in as transfers, sit them out, redshirt them. They get older. And so also on top of that, Miami is a great place for those kids. Because I think a lot of times if they've been at a school in the middle of nowhere, they say to themselves, you know, this time around, I want to be in a, in a more vibrant city with, uh, you know, a bigger economic footprint and a bigger media market or what have you. So sometimes it's, hey, I was in a big public school. I'd like to go to, to see what the private school uh, environment is like. And so that's where you get Sheldon McClellan and Angel Rodriguez and Kamari Murphy and Cam McGusty and uh, those guys. So, you know, we're talking all conference level players on the transfer uh, in, into our place. And then I think the third thing is, uh, you know, obviously it's one of the great international cities in the world, um, well known all over the world, all over Latin America, all over Europe. So, uh, you know, we try to, to recruit internationally as best we can. It doesn't, you know, you, you, there's a lot of competition for the top tier international player. And a lot of times, Josh, there's a big drop off between that top tier guy and the next level. And so we're playing in the ACC, the best league in the country. You got to really be in, in the mix for the best. But, you know, you see our roster now, a guy like Sam Wardenberg, a guy like DJ Vasilovich, a guy like Yvonne Crozuseta, who helped us get to a Sweet 16 uh, from Spain. So, that, that's been the blueprint that has been developed. And it's not that we wouldn't go other places. We would, but certainly that's where we start. Right. I got you. Now you mentioned, I thought it was curious, the, the process of elimination. Right. Was that process of elimination based on, on your end, meaning you're eliminating or as they're eliminating? Well, it's a little bit of both, but I think we've got to start and, and, and we've got to have enough confidence in our in our evaluations and our knowledge of the business to understand, OK, if we took the guys we think are good enough, however many of those there are, we also have to be realistic about who can we get. And they work hand in hand if we're only recruiting who's good enough and not who we can get, that does not usually work out to be a good recruiting class. Right. Right. That, that now you're on your B list or your C list and that right. ain't good enough. Right. Okay. On the other hand, if we're recruiting uh, just who we can get, that also winds up being your B or your C list and they're not good enough either. They have to work in conjunction with each other. So that's the challenge, right. At any place, but, in particular, when you're a little bit geographically isolated, like we are, uh, as we know, just historically, uh, there's been very good players in the city of Miami in basketball, but not at the volume that there is in football, right? When we signed Dewan, for example, he was a McDonald's All-American in 2016. There had not been a McDonald's All-American from Dade County prior to him it was nine, uh, 1996 Corey Lewis. It's 20 years. Now, there certainly were some good players in that yeah. time. Uh, in fact, we got here in spring of 11. We certainly would have recruited Angel Rodriguez 
And I, I'm certain we would have recruited, we tried to recruit Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, those guys probably should have been McDonald's All-Americans as good as they were. But uh, in any case, we didn't get the opportunity to recruit either of them. Uh, Angel, we, we were able to get uh, on the bounce back from Kansas State. Tim obviously had a great career at Michigan and go to the NBA, but I'm, I'm fairly certain we would have been at Palmetto High School a good bit uh, watching watching Tim, as I'm sure that the prior staff was as well. Uh, but, you know, I think, again, that being said, you, you've got to be targeted and you've got to have an understanding based on geography, based on relationships, based on, uh, you know, the idea of what your school is and, and, and who you can attract. Uh, because then you got to be very targeted in, in how you go after recruits. So give me, give me so recruiting in basketball versus recruiting in football, right? What is, yeah. right. It's more targeted. It's, it's, it's not, a, I don't know. I don't think it's as much of the showmanship. I mean, obviously in your, in your, how you're presenting it internally. Everybody's right? but, different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And then if you're trying to get a list down to who we're trying to really you know, the lists are, you know, you're not, you don't need as many guys. Well, it's small. I mean, first of all, those right. guys, yeah, those guys, first of all, they do a lot of their work on film. We're only starting to do a little bit of work on film because there's more stuff available on film. And I don't know anything about evaluating football players other than I read Meat Market like 15 years ago. Uh, and so, which was a fascinating book, but they were doing a lot of work on film. Whereas, you know, for us, it's more in person. There's far fewer guys. If we have uh you know, in this class was a very big class for us. And it's six scholarships. Uh, really, it's five. We believe it'll be a six. But like, that's a huge class. A lot of times it's two or three guys in each class. Right. Uh, our freshman right now was three of them. Um, and so, so where does that know, process again, begin? So there's that when do, when do you know, when does that process begin for you with those guys at the level you're recruiting at? how the information is disseminated, how, right. Obviously you and coach L and a lot of you guys have been, you know, a ton of people, right. That the, the list kind of gets, you know, the information is, is not probably yeah, hard to well, come by, but it's not hard. Yeah. It's not hard to come by and, and you start to, you know, you start to evaluate kids when they're young, but also understanding that um, in basketball in particular, again, I, I don't know enough about the other sports, but you know, guys develop at different rates and, and, you know, there are guys that, you know, um, you know, there's some guys that we recruited since the eighth grade because you kind of just know. And there's other guys that you're in the evaluation process. Uh, the good news in, 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 in basketball, and, and I think obviously football is a little bit different. They commit and decommit like every week, right? Whereas, <laughs> yeah, which would, drive, which would drive me crazy, to be honest. But um, Could you be any more bald if that was happening? No, there's no, there's no way. Maybe I'd grow hair. Right. The hair be coming out of other parts of your body. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get, we yeah. need the flow beyond how... Caputo. We need the flow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they do it. Um, and then, you know, Gino has told me, you know, in baseball guys commit so young, they make, you know, so there's a lot of guys committed uh, in basketball, I guess, because they're a little bit more visible. They're a little bit more well-known. There's um, I don't know. It, you know, the process has really slowed and, and guys are not making decisions really until the fall of their senior year. And some of them not even taking official visits until that time. So in our case, uh, managing the timeline of recruiting is very, very uh, a skill unto itself, an art almost, you know, in terms of, you know, knowing uh, how to recruit somebody very, very hard, uh, but also understand that you know, this is, could be a long process and, and you want to be able to temper it in, at times uh, and, and continue to evaluate it. I think when you evaluate players, the longer you get to evaluate a player, the probably the more it benefits the, the program, right? You don't have to make, I know guys think that like they're geniuses and they know exactly how good a player is going to be someday, but uh, the more you get to watch guy, the, the, the better you, know, you have a chance to, to figure out and then also the intel and what you know what type of person he is and, and all L, that what, so, what's coach l look for i mean third however many years of doing this like yeah he's gotta have, I a, mean, pretty, I he's gotta have a pretty he's gotta have a pretty good like hey i know what i know what i want well i i think for him you know he's always felt like he could work with all sorts of different types of players from a skill set standpoint obviously in this day and age you know hoping that you could get guys who can shoot the ball you know, guys at this, in this league that have size and athleticism by their, for their position is so important defensively, uh, you know. But I think for coach, so much of it is their personalities that are really important too. 
you know, the type of people you want to be around. Um, you know, Tony Bennett has a great line that I think he got from his dad. And, and I think it's, people have a hard time understanding, but I think it's really true is you really got to figure out who you can lose with before you can figure out who you can win with, you know? And, and I would I imagine this, I would imagine this day and age, that means a whole lot more too, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I think, you know, this team is an example of uh, a group that, you know, you, you, you wouldn't, I mean, you just want to be around them. You know, you want to go to work every day. We have a really good record and, and, and are having a great year thus far. Uh, but I think I'd want to go to work every day with these guys, you know, regardless of what the record is, because, uh, you know, their work ethic, their character, their togetherness, um, their grit, uh, their seriousness of approach, you know. You uh, you mentioned earlier, right, when I kind of I hung the, the one and done sort of type guy on you, the head, the success you, you guys have had. And really, there's been a ton of good. You guys have had a ton of good success as a program. But a lot of good players have come through the program. A lot of good players have come through the program. Yes. How yeah. does that resonate when you're in a gym, you know, on an AAU tournament and you're, you know, you got the U on your chest, you know, because Cam McGusty, when he was on the other day, he very bluntly said, I saw them put guys in the league. I saw the success they had with guards and I wanted to play for that team. Yeah. So how much has that changed? How much has that evolved or benefited you guys over the years that when you, when you're walking into gyms over the last however many years, it's like, no, that's Miami. That's a good program. They've got good players. And yes, that's, that's some, well, we want to I know we've done it. We've done it in football and baseball for so long. And, you know, for us, we looked at something the other day, there was a stat, um, you know, I think you, you may know this one that, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 seasons, only four teams uh, in the ACC won 10 games in the league, Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Miami. And in that time, you know, the league had a national champion, two national champions, uh, uh, I think like 15, 16, sweet 16 teams. And the league was dominant at that time and had 92 players in that time playing the NBA. Uh, and we had our share of those. And there's nobody that's going to win without good players. I don't care how good of a coach you are. <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 no, no one in the history of the game has ever won with bad players. They've always won with good players. And so for us, uh, you know, talking about how it resonates, I just think, you know, people who know basketball, um, when they come in and they see, hey, these guys have players in the NBA. They have players in the Euro League, which is the second best league in the world. They have players in the G League. They have players playing for the Euro Cup like uh, Julian Gampel last year. And so uh, these are guys that, uh, you know, have, have helped develop players to have careers in basketball playing at the highest levels that there are in, in the world. And not everybody can say that they've been able to do that at the volume that we have in such a short time at a place that, you know, not necessarily uh, has the history of that, partially because we had no basketball program for <laughs> any, 10 years. You know, while, while some of the Louisville's and Dukes and Carolinas and Virginia's, the programs that were really making their, uh, you know, kind of making their bones in, in, the, in the world of college basketball in modern time, they were doing it at a time when Miami didn't have a basketball program. So think about that. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of catching up to do, uh, obviously, for Coach Foster, Coach Hamilton, and, and so on. Uh, when they're able to get here, there's it, a lot, lot of work to do to make up for it. All right. So you, meant, you mentioned, Chris, right, hey, this, this team, like this team right now, 21-22, um, no better group you'd want to be around. Let me, I'm going to kind of put a couple different questions together. The difficulty of the previous three years, what you've done so far this year, and maybe how appreciative you are, right, of, of this team, yes. this group, and, and what they've done so far? Well, certainly, I think um, when you get into coaching, you obviously know that there's a chance that you're not going to be successful. <laughs> and and, and that, that, you know, that there's, uh, uh, you know, things happen. I, I think what happened to us that led to these three years you know, in some ways in the business world, you'd call it like a black swan times two, right? You have, uh, you know, this federal investigation that we had nothing to do with that we were totally exonerated from. And yet no one has ever had to deal with something like that. In a, there's no playbook to say, okay, when, when they erroneously accuse you of something and then 
you're out of it, but you lose your recruiting class at a time where you're going to lose three guys to the NBA. Uh, where do you go in the pamphlet to pick out the page to read through what to do in that situation? And then when we finally sort of get it back uh, to where uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're probably good enough, we have the most injuries in, in the power five that year. So uh, we're three and oh, we beat Purdue in the big 10 ACC challenge without a, uh, without a guy who's supposed to be first team all league and without a guy who's supposed to be a first round pick. And, and yet we never get healthy. We get more hurt. And, uh, and so it was very, very frustrating. Um, and I think, you know, during that whole time, you really decide that you're not going to play the victim. You know, you're not going to feel sorry for yourself. You're just going to keep chopping wood, keep, you know, pound the rock as they say, and, and, and just keep working. And, and the great thing is we got tremendous support from everybody here at the university, uh, the community, people who totally understood, you know, the circumstances we're dealing with and uh, had real belief in, in our program and what we stand for. And, um, you know, for that, you're very, very thankful, you know, when you look at it. And then, uh, and then for this group of guys that decided that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to get it back. And, you know, put put we before me and uh, just not get deterred by any sort of ups and downs and just keep playing and keep trusting each other. And to this point, you know, it's been very, very fun and, and fulfilling uh, as a coach to be a part of. So Bogusty and, and Wong, Cam and Zay, they kind of test the NBA waters. They decide to come back. Yeah, Charlie, um, more to, to, to that backcourt. How was... How, how how did that all come? How's that come together so well? And how much has Charlie kind of been like that piece that has kind of connected everybody? Yeah. I mean, obviously getting Sam Wardenberg back off the injury, him deciding to come back was great as well as getting Rodney Miller and Dan Gack and, and, uh, and those guys, because, you know, just filling out a roster full of guys that have been in the program. Uh, but in particular, Sam's defensive versatility is three point shooting at his position, you know, is, is tremendous. And then to get Charlie and Jordan, uh, you know, they just fit perfectly with those other guys. You know, Charlie was the floor general we desperately needed the last few years, a guy who, uh, you know, really make guys better uh, as well as having the ability to score, uh, you know, a pesky defender and an all around great guy. Uh, I don't think anybody who's been around Charlie uh, and, the, you know, he's just a wonderful, lovable guy. And then, uh, and then Jordan Miller, just the ultimate um, sort of utility guy that is a star in his role and on many nights a star, period, uh, because of his ability to play both inside and out, uh, defend multiple positions as well. So, you know, all of a sudden you look up and you've got a very potent offensive team uh, with in, in, in the starting group. And then, you know, you throw in Anthony Walker, uh, who – you know, was almost a double digit scorer last year and, and, and brings some needed athleticism. Uh, our freshmen have been really good. And it just, the team sort of connected and gelled and the pieces started to really fit together. All right. So the portal, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the word, uh, the catchphrase. We were, we were, we were doing the portal before the portal even. Right. That, right. Right. It was just, there was, it was just transfer and sit out. Now it's uh, transfer <laughs> and play. Right. You were, you were doing the portal before that, but, in, in your sport, is the portal as uh, – has it turned the sport as upside down as it had in football? Sure, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're going to have to make it work in your favor, not against you. Uh, I think it can work against some people. I think you got to make it work in your favor somehow. I think you see like a team like Wake Forest, uh, what they've been able to do, uh, certainly make it work for them. I think we've been able to make it work for us throughout our time here for the most part. Um, you know, I, I do worry about, you know, when a guy sits out, he gets the benefit of that development year. He also gets the fifth year potentially of school. So you had all those guys graduate, you know, the guys that were sitting out. I mean, it's because you get five years. So I, I, I worry a little bit about, you know, guys becoming eligible. And if there's any slip ups, um, could, could we could we miss out on graduation because they're thinking they've got to go pro? You know, so that that would be my only concern with it. But, yeah, it's it's a big part of of of, of our sport. And I don't think it's going anywhere. 
All right. So listen, we're going to do this a little bit longer and you're going to owe, you owe me a thank you because you told me not as much about me, more about the program. And I told you it was going to be 50 50, but I think it's really going to end up being like 80 20. So we're not going to do too much about you, but thank we have you. to do a little thank bit you. about, yeah, we got to do a little bit about you because then I wouldn't behold, I wouldn't be beholden to my vision of, of what this podcast is all about. Okay. So like okay. you were like a big basketball junkie growing up, like was that as a kid, we're like, was that your thing, your sport, like all you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, growing up in New York City in the, in the 80s and 90s, really the heyday of, of you know, both high school and college basketball. Uh, uh, St. John's fan? York, like, are you St. John's? Yeah, you... yeah I, I, would, I told my wife the other day, she was asking me about that. I don't know, we never really said, yeah, I'd, I would consider myself a St. John's fan. Lou Carnesecca, you know, went to my high school, coached at my high school. Did he? Uh, yeah, he's Italian, you know, he's went to my high school and my not going to be a St. John's fan. Are you kidding me? You know, if those so, were good yeah, teams was, too. I mean, then now we're, now we're yeah. totally aging ourselves, but those were good teams, but good players, yeah. really good players. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I certainly consider myself at the time a St. John's fan, although, you know, as you get into the nineties and you start watching, uh, you know, some of the ACC teams and things like that, you, you wind up, you know, just becoming a huge fan of college basketball. Are you a, are you a Knicks guy? Like you all on the Riley, Riley train? Yeah, yeah, I would say I'm a Knicks fan, Patrick Ewing, uh, Riley, Jeff Van Gundy's a good friend of mine, so uh, he, I, 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 I always loved when he was the coach of the Knicks as well, um, you know. So could you imagine playing that kind of basketball, though? <laughs> yeah, I, probably when we first started, you know, in college basketball, it looked like a little bit like that, but it certainly doesn't look like that now. No. I can't read, I, I want to read the book. Uh, oh, like that, yeah, it just came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marie this summer is uh is van gundy as as like funny and witty on it yeah yeah he's great he's, he's great. a great guy he's so smart you know such a such a good dude uh just a great guy he really you really wish he was coaching you know in the nba still because he's so talented and gifted at, he's a master coach but but it's just really a, a treat for everybody that to, to, to listen to him in these games I think most people that most people should know, but just in case, right. So you attended the same high school as, as, as coach L. Um, yeah. Did you go through this? Like, I think he was like a one hour train or one hour bus, how, whatever, whatever it was, were you, was that, did you endure the same? Yeah, I, I could, I could take the bus from my block to the train, but I often walk. Uh, however many, you know, my, yeah, it was probably a good walk, I guess, looking back on it to Queens Boulevard from where I lived. So those of you who, are from New York, no Queens Boulevard. If you're not, uh, if you watch Entourage, you know Queens Boulevard. That's that's actually Queens Boulevard, you know. Uh, and so, uh, were yeah, you running? We in, were you running? Were you running in the same kind of pack with you know, like a, a little Entourage, like the same kind of yeah, cast no, of not characters. Quite, not quite. <laughs> although, 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 I'll name drop. I got to know. I get to know Jerry Ferrara a little bit, Turtle, because he's a big basketball fan. So, how do you know? Text, every, seriously, dude, you know I everybody. Text, I text with I text with Jerry sometimes about the Knicks, you know. Okay. So, um, but what anyway, kind of circles? Uh, where are you running? That you got? I mean, like you got the Rolodex going, dude. What's going small, on? Basketball is a small world, man. It's a small world. The basketball. Jerry's kind of part of the basketball family, even though, you right. know, even though he's an actor. Um, but uh, but in any case, no. I used to walk to Queens Boulevard and then take like two trains to to get to high school. And so when you're at, when you're attending as a high school player at, at Archbishop, do you know is Coach L? Like is Coach L? Yeah, he's. The I man. know him. Be, well, yeah. No, no, no. I know you know him because of that. But like yeah. when you're what, like when you're in the gym, it's like that's Coach. Before you even knew Coach L, that's Coach L. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, he was. He's one of the legendary names in our great, you know, high school basketball. You know, it's like being at St. Thomas here in football. Like, you know, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith. You know, Brian Winters has his jersey in the rafters in Milwaukee, Kevin Joyce is the captain of the Olympic team. You know, Russ Smith just got his Jersey uh, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, Louisville rafters, you know, Cole Anthony went to our high school, you know, uh, uh, the magic. I mean, we've had uh, a, a great number of guys. Where's your Jersey? You're not that my picture's in the office, but my Jersey's not up in the rafters. There, Does no. your picture from uh, high school or is your like Miami coaching? No, picture? Like, no, my college, like, like our, our high school coach who since passed, you know, he, he, all his guys, you know, his favorite guys, I like to consider myself one of his favorites, certainly not one of his best players. Uh, but he, sometimes would, it's uh, better to be, sometimes it's better to right, be a favorite right. son than the yes, better than the exactly. best. Son. Well, th that's certainly the case. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> I was de- I was definitely the Fredo of the basketball playing of, of the group. But so were, like, um, were, you, were, you, were you recruited to go there? Yeah. No, no. I, I was, I, you know, I went to camp. You, the kind of way it worked is you'd go to his camp and then, you know, if they thought you were good, you know, they'd be seeing if you were coming. And I was going there anyway. A guy on my block who I'm really good friends with uh, played there as well. And I kind of knew I wanted to go there. So, you know, was able to go and, 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 you know, I would say be on the team. I was, you know, not a great player, but we had a great team. We had a number of guys, you know, played division one and, and, uh, you know, uh, we made the final four, uh, my senior year, um, which the final four was loaded with high major players. Let's go. Give me a couple names. Give me a couple names. Well, for those rice won the city championship. They had, this is their team. And this is for basketball junkies, but uh, Andre Barrett was the point guard from Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, Kyle Cuff was was power forward St. John's. Um, Kenny Satterfield was the two guard. Cincinnati he was a McDonald's All-American. Anthony Glover from St. John's led them to elite St. John's to Elite Eight. And the fifth guy, Andre Sweet, went to Duke. Uh, so that was their starting five. Uh, Christ the King had um, Zach Williams, who played on the Final Four team for Ohio State, and Omar Cook, who was a great player, drafted yep. player, uh, McDonald's All-American as well. Um, and a number, I think Javé Mead is, is a great player at Holy Cross, like Jersey retired at Holy Cross. Um, and then Bishop Lachlan had Brian Brown and Zach uh, Williams that uh, – uh, no, I'm sorry, Zach Williams is at Christ the King. Brian Brown and Will Dudley – played at Ohio state. And I think played on the final four team in 99 as sophomores or freshmen, I guess they would have been. And the head coach at Oklahoma state. Now Mike Boynton was a great player at South Carolina. He was, he was on their team. So it was Lachlan Rice, uh, Christ the King and Malloy. We were probably the least talented of that group, but, but, uh, but the city was great. I mean, the level of play at that time was, was incredible. And my freshman year, Christ the King won the city they were kind of like our rival. They had Lamar Odom and Eric Barkley on the team. Uh, oh, and Speedy Claxton. Who, <laughs> went to LaSalle, that, that was right? their. No, he went to uh, Hofstra and played in the oh, NBA Hofstra, for, Hofstra. you know, like right. 10 years. So their backcourt was Eric Barkley and Speedy Claxton. They're pretty good. And then, by the <laughs> way, Lamar, Lamar Odom was like their center. And so, like, are you on the bench watching? Like, how he's a I nice do? player. Like, what would I do against Lamar? Like, how? Well, I would play against happened? those guys enough, but like, yeah, I I clearly knew that you know, like that I'm not that level, you know. But you still uh, wanted to play, play, right? So, like, playing D three because ultimately you go play D three at Westfield State. Yeah. Like that was still important yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a great experience, and um, you know, it's a fun fun league, the uh, uh, Massachusetts State League. Rich Sutter, <laughs> Rich Sutter, who was my college coach. I'd coached at Malloy uh, in the past, so we kind of knew each other there. And, um, you know, it was, it was a good league. Salem State, where Tom Thibodeau had coached, was in the league. They went to the Final Four my freshman year. They were really good. Ironically, Coach Conkle was uh, uh, a player at Wisconsin Platteville that same year. He was a senior when I was a freshman, but Salem State, they played Salem State in the Final Four of Division Three that year. So we always, you know, we always – had great division three stories and uh uh you know it was a fun league to to play and all the you know every, the schools were close to each other you kind of get in the bus drive a few hours to a different town in, in massachusetts and 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 play basketball not very well sometimes get in the <laughs> fights uh, probably more often fight than play good basketball <laughs> what uh you said this on a podcast and i imagine it's so um that you, I think you, there, there's a purity with D3 basketball. Like there's just the sport <laughs> is the sport, right? Like, yeah, is, is there, is there some, I mean, obviously this is where you want to be in, in, in the world of any, you know, athletics, you want to be at the highest level, but what, right. what is the, what is the sort of the, the energy right around that level of, of, of competitive athletics? Well, it's quite different than, uh, you know, like getting on this charter flight tomorrow and flying to, you know, a place that's got 15,000 seats and, you know, how many people would be at your games? How many people be at your games? You know, the gyms are really small. You'd have people at the games, you know, you, you could, in, in some cases it'd be quite a, 
uh, a tough environment because the gyms are so small. So people would be there, but you know, it'd be a 2000 people, you know, not, not, you know, 1500 people, but you know, these were little band boxes back then. All those places have actually really nice or, you know, kind of multi-purpose gyms right now where, where they play. But uh, back then, you know, we had a band box and it would get crowded and, and, and loud and hot. And yeah, it was a great experience. And then for me to, you know, live four years like that, after kind of being at a high level of high school basketball and then the high levels of, of, of college basketball to, to experience that was fun. I, you know, I think when you, when you've done it at all levels, it, it gives you great perspective. So uh, you, you want to be a coach, you get in the coaching. Um, but I was listening. Uh, it's funny. I was like, I'm going to, I'm listening. I texted you this morning. I'm doing my research. And you're like, dude, you have a problem. <laughs> but, but I did learn something. See, this is why I do this is that, and, and tell me if, if, if I'm right or wrong is your senior year at uh, it's Westfield state, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're already networking to become a coach. Yeah. I kind of knew I wanted to be in coaching. I, I'd done some uh, internships like in the financial world. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not so sure how smart of a decision it was, but I decided, you know, I think I want to coach and, you know, trying to network and meet people. My high school coach, Jack Curran, who's, you know, I know Coach Ells talked a lot about, uh, was such a great influence on me and really wanted to, you know, have the effect on people uh, the way, you know, he had an effect on me and, and, and so many others. And so, uh, yeah, I was trying to figure that out. And, you know, obviously Coach Larnega was great to me. Uh, he was able to, uh, I was able to kind of get, get it connected to him and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So what are you doing? I, I know it was, it was, it was no pay. It was a no pay job. So what coach L offers you the, the, rules, the, no, the, the rules no tape were, paid job. What yeah. were you doing? The rules were a little different. I mean, in some strange way at that time, you know, I could almost make my own job and that's what I did. Uh, I, I was joking. He didn't trust me with any of the important things like the camp uh, uh, or, uh, you know, travel or anything that like a 22 year old guy could screw up. But, what I did do is I did have some contacts in, in, in the world of recruiting because I had worked camps uh, uh, with a lot of high school and AU coaches. I kind of, I think I was the director of underclassmen recruiting a little bit, you know, back then it almost looked a little bit like what some of the recruiting coordinators do now in football. Right. You know, whereas those guys were, you know, we were in a talent rich area. I was just, you know, trying to, uh, learn about who the best young players are uh, in the area at the time. And, you know, I, I, uh, you know, while I wasn't like necessarily the point person on those guys, you know, I might've, I was joking. I might've made the first phone call on, I'm almost certain I did on, you know, some of the guys that led us to the final four because uh, you know, I got there in 02, that class of 04 was a big class for us for, for uh, the, the run that we made to the final four. And so I, you know, working, camps with their high school coaches was legal all this stuff and so i got great experience doing it that way and then obviously doing some film work and, and things like that as well so how long are you unpaid well the first year was totally unpaid the second year i, I turned down a job that uh was going to pay me 30 to stay and coach uh was nice enough to give me 500 dollars uh, a month out of his own pocket and then the second year the third year i was threatened to leave again no I didn't threaten it was I, I had an opportunity maybe to go be the video guy at St. John's and uh but I kind of wanted to stay so well how about if I if I give you a thousand a month yeah <laughs> so so that was which was great you know and at that time so what do you it, what are your responsibilities increasing year one to two to three or are you yeah, sure just, yeah <laughs> no, not really I, no no not you know within the rules you know I was you're doing more within the rules you know you're doing more in terms of uh, get more experience, get more familiar, learning more about the day-to-day of the program, helping with that, you know, helping with every sort of piece of the program. The basketball piece was video and the recruiting piece was sort of, you know, being in charge of the underclassmen list. I got you. So at the video at that time is, is what you're doing? What are you the video? Are you like you the video coordinator that, and there isn't yeah, a video sort of coordinator? Co- yeah. Back then it was film exchange and, and uh, uh, you know, trying to, trying to, cut things up you know for for i guess coach conkle at the time was the uh was was the scouting coordinator uh and so him and i worked together you know on some of the scouting things i gotcha so um 
peel this back a, a little bit is um, who do you learn from now? Like, where are you going yeah, to a, learn? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Yeah, I think I've always tried when you work for one person and you do things within, uh, you know, one program for so long, sometimes the knock is that, you know, well, you only know one way to do it. But I think knowing if you know me, you know, I've really made an effort to uh, be a lifelong learner. Uh, I got a real thirst for knowledge. Um, uh, there are people, you know, in the NBA, whether it be Jeff Van Gundy or Eric Spolstra or, uh, you know, Ron Rothstein is a guy, you know, obviously I talk to a lot, uh, but, but others in the NBA, you know, uh, pe people in the Spurs organization, uh, you know, number of different people that, that you, you talk to about the game, but then also international. I've got, I spent the last two years really spend a lot of time studying international basketball. I've got friends in, in Europe that, that we spend a lot of time on zooms and talking about the game and things that are going on there trends. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Wait, can, I, can, really... I cut, can I cut, can I cut, I'm going to interject yeah. for one second yeah. trend. Like, so what are the trends in basketball? Like what, 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 what well, is, what is that? What, what is the, what is the big, if you're talking with your people, your people, you know, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. Well, a lot of it in your offensive basketball in Europe is, is more similar to college basketball in terms of the rules than the NBA. The NBA has some different rules, both the way the game is called and the spacing, uh, the lane being wider, uh, the, 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 the three second defense, uh, whereas Europe doesn't have that. And so in Europe, you have a lot of them most creative coaches in in the world and a lot of the things that you see a lot of the cute plays that you see now like on twitter all the time you know really originate you know in the euro league or euro cup basketball and so um i found you know it was important to you know really understand what was going on over there because i think we could leverage it uh here both offensively and defensively so and you know, the shooting how often yeah. do you see something you're like, damn, that's pretty well, you good. See like, every, every day, but then how, how do you implement those things is hard. You know, that's the trick, right? Is like, right. how much can you actually do? You know? Yeah, no, I got you. So you're just hitting the like button on Twitter a whole hell of a lot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or sending, you know, I'm sending it out probably to everyone's annoyance a lot of times, you know? <laughs> hey, hate to bother. One more question. I saw yeah. something. All right. So how do you know? Hey, I like this. How do you know Spo? Uh, yeah, just, uh, being here for 10 years, you know, first summer we got here, the staff spent some time together. Uh, and then we've, we've, you know, I would say we're friends, you know, we've maintained a, uh, friendship throughout, you know, um, whether it was, you know, go, we've gotten to some concerts together. We, uh, we've, uh, you know, go to coffee or lunch every once in a while. Uh, it's a little is bit he harder. As good as he days. appears. Oh yeah. He's, he's the best, you know, he's a great guy. He's a fantastic coach. He's a great, you know, now he's a great father. You know, I think it's a little bit more difficult these days. Everybody's got kids and everything, but he's, uh, you know, obviously just one of the great, great uh, representatives of our game by, you know, not just how good he is at what he does, but how he carries himself. And you know, obviously the, the Miami heat and the whole community is, is very lucky to have him. How legendary is Rothstein? The guy's um, his experience is just incredible. I mean, being a head coach, having been an assistant for incredible number of head coaches, the amount of players he's coached, being a high school coach, being an advanced scout before there wasn't even you know an advanced scout. I mean, just just a wealth of of knowledge. All right, Chris. Oh, oh sorry. Last thing, is it fair yeah. to say you want to be a head coach? Right? We can. That's that's fair to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've I've uh, I've been involved in. Uh, number of different you know head coaching situations i'd say some that uh maybe i could have had and, and chose not to have others that you know maybe I, I you know i didn't uh you know come in first maybe came in second you know uh but for me i've always felt like uh you know i've enjoyed doing the job much more than i've enjoyed you know thinking about uh the next job so man i want to ask you one more thing on the uh oh you are, you have the best winning percent. You, that's what it is. How was it when you were the interim, the, the one time, like, what was that like for you? I have two. I'm one you have and two? one. Oh, you want one and one. 
I lost at Boston College. Uh, now, again, I'm going to make some excuses here. They, they Go didn't, for it. They, we, we didn't have Bruce, and they had Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman. Man, they were good. Uh, but it was a close game, good game. And then, uh, and then obviously, the next year, I think it was Alabama A&M. So if I would have won the Boston College game, I would have deferred the Alabama <laughs> A&M game. I was just saying, look, I'm one, I'm one and I'm undefeated. In all seriousness, yeah. what it, what was, what did you learn? Like, it's like I always ask this question when you take when people have taken the step from you know position coach yeah. to coordinator to head whatever, right? Like, you've been you've been next to that seat forever, and then you were in the seat. So, what'd you take yeah. away from it? That's gonna be, this is gonna be the last one. What'd you take yeah. away from it? Well, I, I wasn't, you know, you're not like nervous or anything i mean i coached a lot of games as an assistant coach but certainly you know the decision making process you're not making any suggestions now you're going to ultimately have to make the final decision so i think it's not talking to the team because i do that every day you know and coach allows us to coach right uh it's not um you know it's not the uh i don't know the moment is does not seem was not big or anything like that you're just doing what you do every day in practice coaching your team, I just think, you know, you, you begin to realize, you know, kind of what I already knew, which is, you know, as a head coach, ultimately the weight of those decisions are on you. Whereas an assistant coach, uh, you try to be as thoughtful as you can be. And the longer I do it, the more thoughtful I have become in terms of suggesting things. But ultimately, the head coach is going to live with that decision. So he's got to be real thoughtful uh, about that choice. And in basketball, you know, uh, the game moves very, very fast. So a lot of those choices, you know, uh, have to be made on the fly. And a lot of times those pressure choices, you actually try to make those choices in advance. Like if this happens, this is what we'll do. If, you know, if this guy gets foul trouble, this is what we do. If they do this defense, this is what we'll run. Cause it's not like you're just doing it. Now, on the other hand, as the game's going on, the flow of the game, the performance of the players on both ends determine, you know, how you see a, 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 a certain decision. All right, buddy. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, Thanks, man. I'm happy for you guys. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for giving me as much time as you did. I appreciate it.